Hey, this is Jerry Aiken, pastor at Pierce Chapel in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, wherever you may be. I hope that you find the word presented here engaging, informative, and challenging in your walk with Christ. Please check us out online at piercechapel.com. The scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John. I'll be reading from chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors, because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus replied, do you believe because you have seen me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing you will have life in his name. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Some of you may remember that uh, right after Christmas, um, I've made the the claim that Christmas is more than one day. It's 12 days. Do you all remember that? And that's where we get that silly song about the 12 days of Christmas. It's actually a, a little mini season. And I'm very glad that it is. Because if Christmas was just that one day on the calendar, it would be gone and swallowed up in the pomp and circumstances, the gathering, the busyness, the hustle, and then it would be over. But the fact that it continues for several days after that allows us the space to rest in the promise of Emmanuel, to contemplate what it means that Christ came to this earth. There was one Christmas in particular a few years ago where we were particularly busy. 
just exhausted. By the time December 25th came, uh, I, I just didn't have any more left in the tank. And we lived a few hours away from here, so to come back in this area and visit with family, that was just an added strain, traveling, uh, the road trips, all of that sort of thing. And I remember on December 26th, sitting there in, in the living room and just thinking, this is nice. After all the busyness and all the hustle, there was space to, to contemplate, to reflect on the wonder of Christmas after all the busyness was over. And I looked over at our cat who we had just gotten. This little kitty was just catnapping right there next to me beneath the little tabletop Christmas tree that we had there. And I thought, that's exactly how I feel right now. N not that cute, but that at peace. It was just a time to sit and, and, and just sit with the peace, the assurance of knowing that God's Son came to this earth. And I tell you all this not because I'm, I'm confused and think that this is the Christmas season. I'm telling you this because like Christmas, Easter is also a season. We think of it as this one day. There's one beautiful, glorious day, and it is a great day, a day of celebration where we gather for sunrise services, we fellowship with people that we haven't seen uh, quite as often, and we go uh, spend time with families maybe, we do Easter egg hunts, we hope that the weather will cooperate with us, we wear our best clothes and try to take the best pictures of ourselves and then post them for everybody to see on Facebook, and it's a good day. But Easter is more than that one day. And I'm glad that it is because like Christmas, it can get swallowed up in all the pomp and circumstances. All of the fun and the celebration that goes with that one day can remove us from the mystery. But since Easter is a season, we deliberately come back to reflect on what the resurrection means. What it means for us. What kind of power is offered to us? What kind of salvation is offered to us because of the resurrection? You see, Jesus appeared after he rose from the dead. He appeared several times for the, for the next month, month and a half, performing miracles, as the scripture said here, doing great deeds, wonders before his disciples. And we don't need to gloss that over. He rose from the grave, but that's not the end of the story. He continued and continues today to display that resurrection power. He appeared several times. The first one we hear about is when he appears to Mary in the garden. Mary is grieving. She can't find Jesus' body in the tomb. She's already devastated because she witnessed him being crucified, and now he's not even there where she can honor his body, and so she is grieving. She is bawling. And Jesus meets her in her grief. And then there's Peter. Remember, Peter denied Jesus. And so he had this guilt and this shame that he was carrying with him. And Jesus appears to Peter in his guilt and his shame, and he forgives him. This passage here is actually two different encounters, but it's, it's one of the more popular ones where Jesus appears to his disciples as a group while they are sitting in their fear. They are afraid. They've seen the one they follow crucified, and they're afraid they're next. 
And as they are gathered in fear, Jesus appears to them in their fear. And Thomas, unfortunately, wasn't around to see it. So when he hears about it, he says, no, that's not possible. Unless I see his wounds in his hands, unless I see that wound on his side and and can actually put my hands on it, then I don't believe it. Now, Thomas gets a bad rap. He really does. We call him Doubting Thomas. Whenever we know somebody who is skeptical or doesn't fully trust God, what, what do we call them? We call them a Doubting Thomas. And his name has become synonymous with that. And it's really, really unfortunate. Because Thomas could have been known by a lot of other great things. His proximity to Jesus. Thomas, Thomas was one of the disciples that declared, Lord, uh, when you go into Jerusalem, we're ready to die with you. But we don't call him brave Thomas, do we? We call him doubting Thomas because he was skeptical. And who can blame him? To be honest, I I resonate with Thomas. I, I tend to use reason and logic a lot. And if something doesn't add up, if it doesn't make sense to my human mind, I, I have trouble wrapping my head around it. And Thomas was a reasonable person, very intelligent. And so he's thinking, how is this humanly possible? That this, this man that I saw crucified and is dead, uh, whose body was so broken and bruised and battered, how is it possible that he's here now? He's alive now and just showing up and appearing to people. He says, I've got to see that, to believe it. And there have been times, certainly in my own life, where I have had moments of doubt, where I've looked at how the human mind reasons things, and I put things together, and and I look at the scriptures, and I look at the the resurrection, and I look at what Jesus uh, does there, and I say, yeah, that doesn't really make sense, because it doesn't. And you can read the Bible, you can read the stories in it and think, "Mm, that doesn't float. That's not logical. That doesn't seem humanly possible. And there have been a lot of times in my life where I've thought, how in the world is that humanly possible? And then by God's grace, he's revealed, Jerry, it's not. It's not humanly possible. But with God, all things are possible. Even life itself is a miracle. It's not humanly possible to create life out of nothing, but yet here we are. And so the things that we reason and try to use logic to to sort out and figure out, it doesn't make sense to us. And it causes us to doubt. It causes us to be skeptical. And then Jesus appears and says, believe. Believe in something greater than what you can just figure out on your own. And that's what he did for Thomas. Now, I've often wondered why is it that Jesus' body was still wounded? Why did he still have these scars? If he was risen, if he could conquer death itself, could not these wounds close up? Why was he still wounded? But then I consider this story and I realize his wounds were what healed Thomas of his doubt. There's a very famous painting. It's the one that you see up there on the screen uh, by Caravaggio. It's called The Incredulity of St. Thomas. And in this painting, you see Thomas putting his finger in Jesus' side. It's really gross if you think about it. It looks painful. But Jesus is there saying, go ahead, 
Put your hand in the wound. And this isn't just a gross painting. That's what the scripture says. Thomas says, I've got to put my hand in the wound in his side. And Jesus comes and says, all right, Thomas, put your hand in here. And I can't imagine why Jesus would allow his own wounds to be disturbed and violated in such a way. And then I remember, it's because he was trying to heal Thomas of his own doubt, of his own skepticism. And sometimes we read into this and we think, oh, Jesus was probably pretty mad at Thomas. Oh, you of little faith, how dare you not believe? But read it again. That's not really what happens. He says, you believe me because you see. Blessed are those who don't see and believe. But Jesus appears to Thomas in love, bearing those scars and saying, Thomas, I'm here again just for you. I'm bearing these wounds just for you. I'm going to allow you to disturb my wounds so that you can be healed in the way that you need it. And we see this over and over again with the resurrected Christ. When he appears to Mary, Mary is weeping, distraught. I mean, just bawling her eyes out because she has has seen her Savior crucified and now she can't find his body. And Jesus appears to her, and you know, emotionally, that had to open up some wounds for Jesus. Have you ever been with a loved one who was just distraught and bawling their eyes out? And you wanted to comfort them so badly? It it moves on you. It hurts your own heart. And Jesus is seeing Mary, who he loves, just grieving, pouring out her grief. And he is having to revisit his own grief in that moment. But he does it to bring her comfort. And when he sees Peter, who is experiencing all this guilt and shame because he has denied Jesus, it is a reminder to Jesus of how he was denied and how he was betrayed by those closest to him. But yet, Jesus revisits that pain, his own emotional pain, so that he can restore and reinstate Peter. And here it says that the disciples were gathered in the upper room and they were fearful. And I'm sure that as Jesus appeared to them, he was reminded of that own emotional turmoil he experienced that night in the garden when he knew the authorities were coming for him. And when he comes to Thomas, he shows his physical wounds. And he said, these are here too. I'm revisiting this pain. For you, so that you can know healing. The risen Christ still shares his scars because it relates to our pain. All of us, in some way, have contributed to those nail pierced hands, the wound in his side. And every time he draws near to us, he allows that pain to be redisturbed. And he does it so that we can know healing. And because he is risen, he can do this over and over again for every single one of us across time and across space. One of the most fascinating things about this passage, it mentions twice that Jesus appeared in a room that was locked up. They had the doors closed, the locks in place, and then Jesus, boom, he's right there. How did that happen? 
It's because this world that we live in, this reality that we know, is but a shadow of the ultimate reality. It's a hologram. It seems real to us, but we see through a glass dimly. And the risen Christ is more real than anything we could ever possibly see with our own eyes. This reality that we call real, the risen Christ is even more real than that. And that's why he can appear to the disciples. It's why he can draw close to us in whatever hurt or pain we are feeling. It is the fulfillment of that promise, Emmanuel. God is with us. Because Christ is risen from the dead, he can draw near to us in whatever pain we experience. And he sits with us in that pain, and he feels our pain, and he heals us by his own pain. If you've ever known the healing power of the risen Christ, if there's ever anything that you've suffered from, whether it's physical or whether it's emotional or spiritual, heartbreak, loss, grief, doubt, uncertainty, you name it. If you have experienced healing from that, you know exactly what I told the kids, that every scar has a story. Everything you've been through and come through, you may still bear the wound from it, but you have a story that goes with it that testifies of the power of the risen Christ. Not long ago, I read about a little boy named Bridger Walker, whose sister, little sister, was being attacked by a dog. Bridger was six years old, and he jumped in to fight the dog off. And the dog bit his face. Do we have the, the picture of that? Yeah, there's, there's Bridger. He had to have 90 stitches in the side of his face. And uh, this was not long after the incident. He's had several reconstructive surgeries since then. But he's still got a gnarly scar right there on his face. And uh, it's been a year since that happened. And Bridger recently said that he loves his scar because it reminds him that his sister's okay. And this scar is not only a good reminder for him, it's a reminder for his sister. For as long as she lives, she will look to her brother and see that scar and know what she was saved from. And that is what the Lord has done for us to allow himself to be wounded and to be scarred so that we can know healing. And then we carry those scars from those wounds and we can go and show healing to others. So if you've ever been healed of anything, you know the power of the risen Christ. But maybe there's something you need to be healed from today. Maybe you're carrying with you some fear, some grief, some doubt, whatever it may be. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you have uncertainty over the future. Whatever it may be, if you have that wound right now, there is a wounded healer who is unleashed from time and eternity and can sit right there with you and provide healing because he has also experienced the same pain. If you are wounded, know that he knows your pain 
and he is even willing to revisit his own pain, making himself vulnerable, opening himself to that hurt and that rejection all over again just so we can be healed. Healed from our grief and our doubts, our shame, our loss, our fears. The risen Christ bore all of these things in his own body. And because he is risen with those scars still there, he can draw near to all of us in our times of hurt. And if you have been healed before, if you have known the power of healing from the risen Christ, our wounded healer, if those wounds have become scars, remember that every scar has a story. And then tell that story. Proclaim to others how the wounded healer found you, how he met you when you were broken and when you were hurt, how he restored you. And like our wounded healer, we too can allow our scars and our experiences and our healing to reach and heal others. Please pray with me. Lord, we marvel at the miracle that you are here standing in our midst. We marvel at the miracle that you allowed your son to be beaten and battered and bruised and to die and then to rise triumphant over it. But we also thank you for the miracle that even in that triumph, Lord, the risen Christ still holds his scars and heals us through them. And so whatever it is we're suffering from today, Lord, we ask that you allow us to lay it before you, to seek you from, for, for healing in, in whatever way that we might need it. And for all the ways that you have healed us and have restored us, we thank you and we praise you because it is by the stripes and by the wounds of your son Jesus that we truly are healed. So let our scars become our story and let those stories offer hope and healing for the world so that your scars will not just simply be meant for us, but that they will be for all of us to share in your beautiful, your powerful healing made possible through your risen Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and check us out online at piercechapel.com. And now may you know the peace, the power, and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Go to love, go to serve, go in peace. Amen.